And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me in the studio today, Dr. John Vance. Hello, everyone. Well, John, it's wonderful to have you here. You know, last week we were talking about the Christian man in the home and what the Scripture had to say about that. Such a large subject, uh, we only really touched the tip of the iceberg, as it were. But today we want to talk about the Christian man in the church. And uh, last week there was a quotation that we came across. It said something like this, The husband is the head of the household, and the household is the nursery of both the church and the state. And so today we talk about the church aspect of this and the Christian man in the church. And um, how could we uh, get started on this vast subject today? Well, I can start with a personal uh, experience growing up. Um, I grew up in the uh, um, Methodist tradition and uh, more of the Wesleyan Methodist tradition. And in our little uh, country church where uh, we would visit and where I lived actually for four years with my grandfather and grandmother, uh, we attended the little Lane Methodist Church. Mm. And the interesting thing was the women conducted everything in the church, and the men would sit outside uh, and talk with each other and never come in. It was, it was I'm talking about summertime now. The windows yeah. were open, and they would all sit outside yeah. and uh, talk, and all the women ran the church. Oh, that's interesting. And uh, – now, I am thankful for those women. I was recalling uh, sure. nothing to do with this uh, topic, but I was recalling uh, the, the names of those women that had great influence in my mm. life. And um, uh, Florence and Zell and Charity, three women that I remember, had great influence in my life, yes. <laughs> and uh, uh, But there was something deficient as well. Mm. There was something missing, and of course, it was the fact that the men were sitting on the outside and not coming on the inside. Yes, and they were not taking their place or role in the church as those who, in fact, have been given that charge right. to be leaders in the church. Right, and this is kind of similar to last week, where we we are talking again about roles, and we must uh, assert right up front. We're not saying that one is better than the other here, but simply that God has given roles for his church. It is true. Leadership. Yeah. yeah. Amen to that. I I uh, do want to point out maybe in this uh, segment, I know we, we have a break coming up here in a little bit, mm-hmm. but I, I don't want people to think that we're being uh, very narrow in our approach to this. Historically, in the Christian Church of the Lord Jesus Christ, regardless of whether it's Eastern Orthodox or Roman Catholic or traditionally most Protestants, there has been a distinction in the roles between men and women in the church. And in some sense, every one of those traditions restrict certain functions to men. But that is not to exclusion, of course, of women Mm -hmm. and the exercise of their gifts. Right. Now, uh, a Christian church... um what does it look like uh, kind of at a high level? What, you know, we've got several minutes here before the break. What does the church look like? Um, help me there. Well, it has shape and structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called, of course, the body of Christ, and it's always connected to its head. So, therefore, part of the, of the, of the way the church is and the way Christ has established it is that it has authority that flows from its head, even our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. But that authority is exercised, of course, by 
human beings. And likewise, uh, men have a certain role in the church that women do not have. And in this case, it flows from creation again. Mm. Men have been placed in a certain, uh, had to have a certain role and function, and therefore it's true that that carries over in the church as well. So the church has a structure and a function. It also has, and, and people don't like this word today, it has hierarchy. Mm-hmm. In fact, I remember reading a line from T.S. Eliot in his notes on a Christian society. He says, you cannot have any culture, human culture, that thrives without hierarchy. There must be recognized leaders in society, and there must be those who will follow that leadership because uh, that is what is required for culture. There must be there must be distinctions made for something to be dynamic and to grow and to prosper. Well, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ does have hierarchy. Christ is the head, and then, of course, we know his apostles uh, are the foundation, and their teaching is binding upon us until uh, we get to heaven. And it's likewise true that there are under-shepherds, and Jesus uh, appointed the apostles, and the apostles appointed faithful servants, men, who would carry on the work and ministry of the church. Sometimes in various movies, I can't think of any particular one, you see maybe a a figure sitting there on a great throne, if you will, and here's a a leader of the church, maybe in England or someplace in this movie, and you almost get the impression like he can do no wrong, that, um, you know, he's, he, he has spoken, uh, maybe in Rome or whatever, and, and that's it. It's like an infallible statement from this great um, religious leader. But how does it work in the real world? You, you know, there are different ways of expressing <laughs> this hierarchy. That is a can of worms. Yeah, it is. Uh, the Roman Catholics who are listening are not going to agree with me. Most Protestants are probably not going to agree, and the Eastern Orthodox are not going to agree. But, right. Uh, uh, first of all, uh, I do not see that there's anything absolutely infallible in this life except the Word of God. Hmm. And human beings are always fallible. And now, are we preserved from our our fallibility by the Holy Spirit? Yes, otherwise we cannot have a church. And the church has a kind of certain indefectibility attached to it. In other words, it will not seriously depart from the truth. But make no mistake, the church has at times... Uh, departed from certain important truths, but never finally and wholly and fully, if you mm-hmm. will, fully depart. Yes. Uh, the church is sometimes more visible, as the Westminster Confession says, and less visible. Mm-hmm. But it is uh, a church that not only has hierarchy, gifts led by sinful human beings, and through it all, the Holy Spirit uh, enables us, if you will, uh, after all is said and done, to, to, to light on our feet. And and that's the promise that we have. But the church is to guard its teaching and truth. And and that's what you have elders and, in some cases, bishops, bishops in many right. churches to do, to guard the truth of God as revealed in Christ. Well, what we'll do is we'll take a short break, and when we come back, God willing, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about this uh, idea of a bishop or elder as well as deacons, and stay with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting.
We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf, and in the studio with me today, Dr. John Vance. Today we're talking about Christian men in the church. Now, you may recall that last week we talked about Christian men in the home. And you know what? One feeds naturally into the other. And in fact, I think as we talk about this a little bit more this side of the break, we will uh, find out or just rediscover the fact that if a man's life is not right at home, it's not going to be right as a leader in Christ's church. Uh, yes, no question about it. You you can't be. In fact, Paul, he says, if you're not able to manage your own household, how can you manage the household of God? That's true. So it yeah. flows seamlessly into our faith in Christ and mm-hmm. in the church. Uh, we, we have a, a life. We're spiritual human beings. And so that the religious spiritual nature that we have is to be expressed in the home, but it's also to be expressed in the church. It's a seamless Mm -hmm. thing, if you will. Mm -hmm. So uh, no doubt about it. uh, Men do have uh, a role in the church historically that has been recognized, as I said earlier before the break, in all Christian traditions. It comes up uh, to me – what when we talk about leadership, what kind of leadership are we talking about? Mm. Some churches have elders, some churches have bishops. Uh, in the New Testament, everyone agrees. I don't care whether you're Eastern Orthodox, Roman Catholic, or uh, Evangelical Christian. Uh, everyone, if you've studied, recognizes that in the New Testament there is no distinction to be made between elder and bishop. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might say elder slash bishop. Right. Uh, elder is a, a word that comes from the Hebrew world, which means ruler. Mm. And the word bishop, episkopos or episkopoi, comes from the word that means to superintend, and it comes from the Greek world. Mm-hmm. So one comes from Greek and one comes from Hebrew. Okay. And so they, they essentially, as the church moved out into the Greek world or the Gentile world, they began to call what was formerly called elders in the synagogue – uh, episcopoi or mm-hmm. bishops or superintendents they guided and directed the church it was not until the third century that you begin to really make a strong distinction between elders or or presbyters priests and bishops mm-hmm. 
And so that distinction is a development in history. It is not found in the New Testament. Mm. The um, classic passage that talks about elders and deacons, at least one of them, is uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3. And right off the bat, it says that um, if a man desires the position of bishop, or we could say elder, he desires a good work. So it's healthy to um, desire to be a servant in Christ's church. But then as we read further, then it talks about some of the characteristics that this man would have. Well, those characteristics are quite daunting, aren't they, as you read through them? (laughs) Often we will have nominations for lay elders. And having those nominations, one of the things the candidate always says to me, usually if they're very, particularly if they're very conscientious, Mm -hmm. you know, Pastor, I don't know whether I I qualify because uh, I read that passage of Scripture there and I just simply don't measure up. Yes, especially the first part of the first sentence of chapter 3, verse 2. It says, a bishop then must be blameless. Well, right away I figure, well, I can't possibly be an elder because I know I'm not blameless. But it doesn't stop there. It says, the husband of one wife, well, that we can, we can implement that. Um, temperate, uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about that. Uh, you've been a pastor in the church a long, long time. And um, what is, I, I have a hunch that, that that particular phrase means a lot to you. Oh, it does. Temperance is, of course, uh, traditionally in, in, in Greek philosophy, a virtue. Mm. In the New Testament, it is a fruit of the Spirit, mm. temperance. And temperance, of course, is required. It's almost required for any human achievement. Yeah. Uh, and, and for any exercise of authority, temperance. Temperance is uh, often understood as moderation, and, and that's fine. But temperance also has a certain wisdom to it. Yes. Uh, knowing uh, what to do and how to do it and to what measure. And therefore, an elder or a bishop must be able to do that. In other words, it's required of those yeah. who would shepherd sheep to be able, if you will, to relate to the sheep and to get the best out of them. You know, last week we were talking about a Christian man in the home. We talked about how that, you know, you look back, and now that you're a little bit older, you say, oh, if only I could redo that. If only I could do that over again, I wouldn't have made the same mistake. You know, I wouldn't make the same mistake. I think about that. Uh, I was made an elder rather early, many years ago, and I know I would have done things different now. If if only I could redo them, you know? And it has to do with this word of being temperate. Yeah, because it it includes wisdom and love. Yeah. And knowledge. And yeah. and if you've increased uh, in all three of those accompanying virtues, if you will. In fact, there may be no difference between, we just give names to certain manifestations, maybe of the one thing mm. that we call goodness, what God is in, or, or, or uh, whatever yeah. It may be that goodness that's in a person, mm-hmm. uh, it'll manifest itself as love and kindness and temperance mm-hmm. it'll, and generosity. And so, really, they're all tied together, and temperance is a great word to enter into that what we call, I'll call the good shepherd. Yes, and that that's a key phrase here in, um, in the leadership in Christ's church, and that is uh, that of being a shepherd. Uh, in, in the New Testament, it is clear, too, that the elder bishop, quote, has the leadership role. There are uh, other officers in the New Testament church. They're called deacons, mm-hmm. and in, in a couple of places, deaconess. Mm-hmm. And these are, if you will, assistants. 
the very first place in the New Testament that the word uh, deacon occurs that we clearly know that it's an office actually comes rather late. Mm-hmm. Later than most people, they think it's in the book of Acts, but we can't quite tell <laughs> if that's an office there at that point. They were servants appointed certain table. Okay. But in Philippians is clearly the first place where the word deacon appears as an office or a noun. And here's what it says. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. There it is. Now, deacons, in this case, are assistants to the elders. Mm. They are to assist them. And and in this case, we be, need both men and women to assist. I need women to assist with women's ministry. Oh, yeah. I need uh, men and uh, women to assist to in many ways handling the finances and things like that. Mm-hmm. I have no expertise, and most elders don't necessarily. Yes. Uh, lots, of, lots of people can assist in the work of the church, and there's an office, recognized, ordained office of assistance. Let me ask you this. Are the elders any better than the deacons? Absolutely not. Only yeah. a different role. It's just a different role. Because Jesus is not only called the bishop of our soul, but he is also called in many places the deacon. Isn't that neat? The servant. Yes. And yes. there's no, no distinction in his, uh, if you will, hierarchy per se. They, they mesh together for the mm. welfare in the body of Christ. Now, we were talking about the various qualifications of these elders and we only got partway down the list. I want to read just a few more now. It gets scarier as you go. It Dave. does. It does. He's of, of um, he's to be sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money. Let me stop there for a moment. Uh, how often has it been where we hear unfortunate news that um, some church leader was greedy for money, and he he was not clean on that front. You know, it is a great temptation when you handle money. To be honest with you, I, I know a lot of ministers. Most of them don't, don't go astray. Some go away astray yes. sexually. There's no question mm-hmm. about it. But you can see when uh, that, and, and everyone recognizes it for what it is, but sometimes uh, this matter of greed for money goes with, with, quote, the power that a person possesses yes. when that power, of course, should be servanthood. But how many times have we read and seen evangelists on television who have mismanaged money and many just times. defrauded the people? Yes, And as times. I speak, uh, there's a big scandal going on uh, even in the Roman Catholic Church in the, at the Vatican Bank. Mm-hmm. Uh, or it's in all churches. Now, I must say, when I say all churches I'm talking about, major groupings, you find sure. it. So none is exempt. But the truth is we have to develop a leadership that really wants to serve the people and not to serve them for what's in it for them. Yes. And this, this man of God, besides not being greedy for money, he must be gentle and not quarrelsome. Now, I find this very interesting. Before I mention the idea of a young elder and oftentimes it is the case for the younger elders that they they love their doctrine and they love to enter into arguments with others and convince them of the truth of the Scriptures. Now, some of that is okay if it's done in the right spirit, but certainly he's not to be quarrelsome. Well, one of the nifty places, I should say, two passages in Scripture that, that shows how, how gentle 
how tough Jesus could be, but how gentle. You know, sometimes yes. toughness is required. Sometimes gentleness is required, depending on the circumstance. Mm-hmm. When he's talking to Nicodemus, he almost rebukes him for not knowing about the new birth. Yes. And he says, are you a ruler of Israel? He doesn't doesn't mince any words much. It's pretty direct, confrontational. Mm-hmm. But in the very next chapter, in chapter 4, he's very gentle toward the woman at the well. That's true. Extraordinary so. Yes. And he handles her, if you will, with kid gloves to bring her to truth. Mm. Sometimes a young man is unable to make these kinds of distinctions. Yeah. That's why the Bible does warn, don't make someone a leader too young. That's it. No matter how smart or mm-hmm. gifted they may appear to be. A certain life experience is necessary to be a gentle leader. So this man is not to be uh, addicted. He's not to love money. He's not to uh, be uh, quarrelsome, not covetous. Now there's something else here, and it harkens back to um, actually last week's discussion. Uh, The elder is to rule his own house well and having his children in submission with all reverence. It also implies something regarding the potential span of ages of this uh, elder that indeed he could have children who would still be submissive to Mm -hmm, him mm -hmm. it's not necessarily that he's got to be 60 years old or 50 years old well the word elder uh presbyter is the word it means elder generally speaking in israel the ruler or those who exercised authority were older but however in the new testament later on the word Elder just becomes a synonym for those who exercise authority or rule in the church. Mm. Therefore, it has very little to do with age except that you're not to ordain someone or lay hands Mm -hmm. suddenly, as Paul says, uh, on someone who's too young. Yeah. So um, this man who is an elder, it's like he needs to have, by and large, his ducks in a row, as we would say, on the home front. And not perfect. He's not going to be a perfect man. But um, he certainly has to be faithful to his wife and have some harmony in the home. Otherwise, how could we expect to have harmony in the church? Well, the, the church is to do things decently and in order. It has a certain order and function. And that's the way that it should be. And if a man is disorderly in one area of his life, it is not likely that he'll all of a sudden uh, snap to and become orderly in another part of his life. It means that if you are are not very good at one thing in in one respect, you're not likely to be very good at it in another context either. Mm -hmm. So obviously there has to be some consistency. uh, Being able to manage your family Mm -hmm. equates with being able to manage a number of families. Now I just thought of something here as we've been talking about um, the Christian man in the church, and that is, you know, we all love our pastors. Now, of course, you're my pastor, but we don't um, we don't set these pastors up as um, as sinlessly perfect. Do we? Well, uh, I hope not. <laughs> I would be in great trouble. Uh, I baptize my own children mm. and uh, participate in the marriage of my younger daughter. I, I give her the vows, and yes, I would not have done that uh, if I had not remembered Saint Augustine's uh, wonderful teaching that the worth of the right is not dependent upon the worth of the person who administers the right. I'm so glad you mentioned that. That concept has helped me a number of times as I've thought through things. In other words, uh, you could have been baptized by a pastor in the church who later 
uh, becomes a scoundrel. Or an unbeliever and, at the or, time of or, it. Or even then. And yet God honors the administration of that sacrament because he was in it. He was in a certain role and function. Yeah. Uh, we, we want no hypocrisy. Right. Of course, we want the administrator to live up to his administration. Yeah. But sometimes that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Now, yes, I'm aware of, keenly aware of my sinfulness. Hmm. And I pray every day that the Lord, uh, every day, that mm-hmm. the Lord will forgive me of my sins. Yes. And uh, I, when I exercise authority and administer, uh, preach the word, administer the sacraments, I can tell you that I, I'm as keenly aware as anyone that I'm unworthy to come to this table even though I'm ministering yes. it in the name of Christ. Mm. Uh, it's just, but we have to press on. And uh, but we're not talking about here again perfection. We're talking about degrees of striving for what we don't want is scandalous people exercising authority in the church. It brings reproach. Notice it says in these passages pertaining the elder that he must have a good reputation within the body, but also without in the Mm -hmm. world. Yeah, we live in the world and we have a testimony to give. Well, I see we're just about at the end of our program today. We've been talking about uh, Christian men in the church, and um, early on, John, you made reference to this verse, and I did come across it here. Um, For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? And last week we did talk about the Christian man in the home. It's posted up on our website under podcasts. Check it out. Our web address is RedeemerBroadcasting.org. But today, as a final wrap-up thought, um, what do you have for us, John Vance? Well, we have a, a great uh, dereliction of, uh, of, of the role that men play in our society. Not only have many men abandoned the family, they've also abandoned the church. It's not unusual in many churches to go in and find over three-fourths of those who are attending to be women. Mm. And uh, I go back to my early illustration here. We need men to step up and to exercise their God-given responsibility, not only in the family, but in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, We want the church to be all that it can be, to use a phrase in the army, and it takes (laughs) leadership of men. Yeah, well put. This has been A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me in the studio today, Dr. John Vance. A reminder to please join us again next week at this same time for another edition of A Plain Answer.